podcast, episode 20, 20 in 2020. And uh, this, this is an interesting one. This is a doozy. We got a, you know, you got two perspectives on this game today. There's the, the, the guys who are rooting for the tank, of which I'm one of them. I did not want the Jets to win this game. And, um, you know, so that was like a Super Bowl victory. And then there's the people, you know, like, I mean, I'm still a Jet fan. That's painful. You know, people who are rooting for a win and desperately wanted a win got, got their balls kicked up into their stomachs on this one. I don't know if I was rooting for a win, but definitely when the Jets made a stop on what I thought was the final possession for the Raiders, I was celebrating. I was celebrating while telling myself, that's it. I don't have to live through a winless season, 1-15. Let's not get crazy and greedy. Let's, let, let's make sure this is the only win and we don't have to go down in infamy. And I was just, I don't want to say stunned. I was borderline stunned. I'm a little more prepared than to be stunned being a Jets fan, but that that was a kick in the nuts for me. I, I felt it, and I was just like, it wasn't one of those things where I was breaking things where if, if this game actually mattered, but that one stunned. If this was a game that mattered, I would be absolutely furious. I might have had a heart attack with the way, and we'll get to it, I'm sure, but with the way the defense lined up and, and, and the play call on that last play, I would be in the hospital or I would be calling my insurance company for claims on things I broke because that that is how bad it was. But with that said, I was happy. This That play where, where, you know, the bomb to Riggs where he caught the touchdown is the only time in my life I actually cheered and went, yeah, for, for a play that went against the Jets. I was so devastated that they were going to freaking win and ruin everything because at this point in my life, the next 10 years matter more than one freaking game that means absolutely nothing. A win today would have done nothing but been, but been fun for today. The loss sets us up for at least some hope for 10 years or more, 15. Let's call it 15. Players are playing longer these days. I actually was devastated that they that they were going to win that game. And then I got a little bit of hope when Gase went into his little shell and called three straight running plays instead of trying to win it. You know, And when he caught that ball, I actually yelled. I went, yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe myself. I couldn't help it, but I did. Yeah, so you and me are completely on the opposite ends of the spectrum on this one. I was preparing to celebrate a win. I was preparing to... Post on Facebook, can't believe we got one done. I hope it's the only one for this season. Let's move on. Let's get back to our losing ways. But at the same time, being so conditioned, being a Jet fan, when that play happened, as it was unfolding almost, when the ball was in the air, I kind of sat back and prepared myself for the disaster that was to come. And when the touchdown came to fruition, I wasn't mad. I wasn't devastated, but I definitely did not cheer. If the win is in front of me that you could taste it, you could smell it, you could feel it, I wanted it. It, it wasn't a typical loss in the game that mattered. I am not celebrating. If Jacksonville would have won that game earlier and the Jets had and the Jets still had a shot, I would have rooted for the win. But no way. I did this in 2014. when And, and it, it turned out Mariota and freaking Winston didn't mean shit. But so what? There was there were quarterbacks at the top there. I did it a couple of years ago when they did it. And they ended up in, in uh, you know, sixth. And then they ended up having to trade three picks to get Darnold. I am not doing it anymore. I want the number one pick. I want the consensus number one quarterback. And I want the next 10 to 12 years of my life at a minimum to at least be enjoyable. I am sick of this same cycle that we that we go into every single time. So I was thrilled. It was like a Super Bowl victory. If that's what it's like to freaking win a Super Bowl, I cannot wait till we actually do it. Your logic is bulletproof. Any real fan who has any understanding of the game, the way you and me discuss the game, you can't be upset about the loss. You can't be. The logic forces you to accept that this was the best possible outcome for the long term. Before we talk about the game, though, there is something I have to touch on. If, we're, if we weren't sure until today that Adam Gates is a complete moron, 
We got another small reminder, and I wanted to just run it by you. Early in the first quarter, when Frank Gore had a carry that uh, led to a concussion when he had to come out of the game, and again, I believe it was first or second drive, very early in the game, and the announcers mentioned how during the coaches' meeting, the topic of Frank Gore came up, and the fact that he is in this lost season, he's the workhorse, he's the guy that gets the most touches, he's almost like the focal point of the offense, and they asked Adam Gase, how come? I hope you're prepared for the answer this moron provided. Yeah, I have not heard anything about this. So whatever it is you're going to tell me, I'm hearing for the first time. Adam Gase's answer as to why Frank Gore has been the workhorse and the mainstay of the offense has been as follows. We've been in a lot of close games and Frank simply did not want to come out of the game when it mattered. So Frank Gore's the coach. Thank you. <laughs> so there was two points. Number one that I wanted to ask you. Remind me what I'm missing, but I don't remember the Jets being in too many close games late in the fourth this season. The other thing that instantly came into my mind is, who the fuck is coaching this team? Is it Adam Gase or is it Frank Gore? Because if it's Adam Gase, you should be able to tell, especially somebody who is a professional, who is known to be a team guy like Frank Gore. Frank, listen, they got to let the young guys get reps. This is what it is. You're going to get your touches but you can't be the focal point of the offense. The fact that he said Frank Gore did not want to come out of games because they were close, I mean, my God, how can you defend this guy at this point? There is no defense for the guy at this point. And, you know, normally I would be like, oh, my God, what an asshole. I am not even surprised by him anymore. It all goes back to what I keep saying, that he's a social moron who has no idea how he comes off. No coach would say something like that. On top of everything else he says, he has no clue and i'm not surprised anymore a guy who, who will stand up there and say that you know he knows he's failed sam darnold while throwing him under the bus a guy who will who will lie repeatedly about who's calling plays and why i, I nothing surprises me anymore so i'm not even taken aback by that oh, he's an imbecile he's a complete imbecile but speaking of frank gore the guy the guy gets knocked out on the second play of the game and suddenly the jets offense has life now you got these young guys running in 10 and 15 yard chunks on just every carry is that just because the Raiders don't have a good front seven because I think they do the, the Raiders front seven was actually pretty good or is it that you know Frank Gore at this point in his career is barely even a change of pace guy he's he's a goal line guy he's a you know a possession guy when you need to hold the ball I mean but he's he is certainly not a guy who's going to be explosive and and get, get you yards these guys looked explosive compared to Frank Gore they were explosive but are they explosive by NFL standards and that's and that's the big question here I mean Frank Gore went out and suddenly the running game is super alive they might not be game-changing explosive we might not be talking about all pro running backs but you damn right they were explosive they looked lively they looked fast quick they made the plays that Frank Gore just simply his body doesn't allow him to make anymore and I agree with you let me start by saying this if the Jets were a winning team or a contending team full of young guys I'll sign up to have Frank Gore any day of the week twice on Sunday as a third string running back as somebody who can come in, give you four, five, six carries a game, especially in short yardage situations or in the red zone close to the goal line. And I'll sign up for that role for Frank Gore on the winning team any day. He really is a professional. He can still get it done in small, small spurts. But when he went out of the game and the young running backs got their chance, they had a run, I believe, of 20 yards or 20 plus, 10 plus yards. Just that explosiveness where Frank Gore sees a small hole, he puts his head down and he lumbers for three, four yards, this kid got through the hole 
half a second quicker. And you said it on the last week's podcast. In the NFL, that half a second means the world. It means escaping an outstretched arm of a lineman and breaking through that first line of defense and getting an additional eight yards or getting tripped up, getting your shoulder grabbed, and then the second and third tacklers come in. And instead of a 12-yard gain, you're, you're held to three or four. It was very, very visible. As soon as he came out, the explosiveness was there. The playmaking was there. Another thing where I have to give the Jets credit in the first quarter, look at that. When you put the ball in the hands of your playmakers, and by playmakers, I mean their top three wide receivers, they looked good. They made plays. They scored a touchdown. And they actually looked like a football team. Of course, as we get back to Jets being the Jets when things went wrong, they really went wrong. The first quarter just had a lot of positive. All the receivers were involved. Sam Darnold was making the right plays. And the running back position was actually no longer position held for a retiree. It was a position that was producing. I will jump on your Frank Gore thing. Frank Gore at this point in his career should be the guy that comes in for a few carries here and there when you want to get your guy some rest. And that's it. You know, Or maybe if you want to make him the goal line back because he hits hard and he knows how to, I mean, that's fine. I'm okay with that. Goal line back. Uh, I picked up on a lot of the same things you did with the Jets. They, they looked pretty good early. They came out strong. Darnold looked pretty, I mean, he didn't look great. He looked pretty good. And then he kind of got into a rhythm. And then of course, you know, the wheels fall off. The Jets dominated a quarter and a half of that game, a quarter and a half, and then boom, three straight turnovers, and they're losing at halftime. And it was unfolding the way you and me kind of discussed uh, on our prediction podcast. The Jets cannot stop a good tight end. And Darren Waller was the, again, he was the shining example of that. He was absolutely dominant. He is a fantastic player, but against the Jets, he looked even better than fantastic. I don't know how you want to describe it. Yeah, I wanted to give you credit for that. I wrote I wrote down that uh, that Vort nailed it. Waller with a huge day, 123 and two TDs at the half. And I know he, he had some big plays in the second half. So you absolutely nailed that one. Good call. He's, uh, I'm very high on him. I kind of followed his story, how the guy pretty much flamed out. I think he had some substance abuse problems, uh, but he was always known as a physical freak. Gruden brought him in, and uh, I guess he righted his his personal life and his career took off the the past two, three years. So I've been very high on him as a player. I knew the Jets, I I had a feeling the Jets were going to have problems uh, containing him, and they couldn't. But outside of that, the defense made plays. The defense looked solid. And when the defense looks solid and the offense is putting up points, you end up finding yourself in a football game. But of course, the Jets being the Jets, they will end up making mistakes and crucial points. And when you're a losing team, you will always find a way to lose in the end. They did it in a spectacular fashion, which we'll touch on in a second. But the first half showed promise. There was, I would even say there was more positives than negative to take away. Even though it's the Jets, there, there was negatives. Like you said, to go into halftime losing this week was still mildly unexplainable. At halftime, I sat back and I'm like, wow, we're, we're looking like a football team. There's there's something to hang my hat on here. We're looking good. The problem is, though, is that the, the Jets absolutely have no idea how to play with success. You know, they either throw themselves into the tank or they can, you know, if if, they, if it really doesn't matter, the Jets might play well. It, like the game situation, it won't be a close game. It, it might be, you know, they're, they're, they're getting killed or they're, you know, or it's early in the game when, when nothing's really going on. But the second the Jets start to do well, it's like the other team now makes adjustments and tries harder, and the Jets don't know how to handle that. And and this is what happened. The Jets looked so good for a quarter and a half, and then Darnold, three straight turnovers on three straight drives. As much as I want to give Darnold credit, because he did bounce back, I will 100% give him 
a ton of credit for bouncing back and sticking with it. He could have gone into the tank and had a miserable second half, and they could have put up nothing in the second half. So I will give Darnold all that credit. But there's still that little thing in the back of my head that's like, this guy just does not protect the ball. I mean, he fumbled the ball away twice. He threw a terrible, another terrible interception into coverage. I don't know if it's Gase in particular or if it's just a, a, an organizational thing because the Jets have always done this. They do not play well when things are going well. They don't know how to succeed. They don't know how to put their foot on the throat of the other team. They don't know how to readjust when the other team comes at them. I mean, you get into a fight in a schoolyard, right? You hit a guy a couple of times. He's not going to just fall down. He's going to start. He's going to duck and come at you and try and hit you a different way. And that's and when that happens, the Jets just they just cave in and give up. At one point, the Jets got down 24-13, and I literally just gave up. I told my friends it was over. The Raiders were a lock. They should have been betting them, like I said, and then I looked like an idiot later on. So when the Jets had 13 points at the half, uh, I was kind of feeling pretty good about my prediction because I said, you know what? The Jets never look better in the second half than they do in the first because the other coach usually makes adjustments while Adam Gaze just sits on his play card and says, wow, we're looking good. Going to stick to exactly what we're doing. Uh, we're not going to make any adjustments. So I was feeling pretty good. Uh, I said the Jets are going to have problems scoring in the second half. The Raiders might put up another couple of scores. So I figured I'll be really close on a Jets score, which I said was going to be 13. And I'm not going to be that far off from the 30 points I predicted for the Raiders. And then the second half starts and the Jets just look like, like they're the ones that made the correct adjustments. They're the ones that came out ready to play. I believe they scored 17 unanswered when they took the lead. And at that point, I'm just like, wow. I just, I had no words. I, I couldn't even celebrate because like you, at that point early in the third, I'm like, really? This is, of all the games, this is the one we're going to win to fuck up our chances on Trevor Lawrence. And then they played good just long enough to get my dick hard and get me excited <laughs> to then rape me at the end once again. Let me ask you, in the second half, when the, when the Jets went on a run, did you feel like, wow, they're really going to close this game out and win? Or were you still maintaining that this is just a little uptick and they will find a way to blow this game i felt they were gonna blow it all the way through even down to the last few minutes and when i finally figured oh shit it's freaking over i can't believe they're gonna win this game they you know they they same old jetted it and that's you know that that i'm gonna trademark same old jets but the Jets same old jetted it and if you want i mean at this point we there's not so much to talk about on an individual play basis or or like group of plays basis so we can actually get to the end of the game now right the jets take that lead the raiders get down there jets stop them on fourth down the jets get the ball back with you know a minute and a half left raiders with two timeouts left you figure the game's over right i mean that's the point where i said the game's got to be over there was no feasible way for me that even the jets were going to find a way to blow that there was absolutely no feasible way then what happened was adam gase remembered that he was supposed to lose he remembered he's supposed to suck because he ran two shitty freaking run plays to make the raiders take their time out which is great that's fine go for it that, that's fine on that third down play you've got absolutely nothing to lose but you got a four point lead you don't have to worry about field goal range you have absolutely nothing to lose by trying to throw the ball and get a first down it just gives them a few extra seconds it's not it's not the end of the world adam did instead was run the ball on third down and give up and give him the ball back. He deserves to lose at that point. And then the, the referees made a horrible call in the Jets' favor and somehow he still blew it. Did you see when um on that third down run where the Jets uh tried, you know, the guy tried to stay in bounds, but he was pushed out and they ran the clock anyway? That's when I thought that there was no way the Jets can lose because the clock should have stopped. There was a it was a moronic play to run out of bounds, and the refs were like, No, guys, we're gonna help you get this one done. Obviously, you can't do it on your own. We got you. That that was the point for me when I just I put my hands up in the air and I said, We got this. Yeah. Thank you, refs. You helped us. We got this. 
That was um, that, when, when that happened. I was distraught. I was like, "There's no way even the Jets could blow this one. They're going to punt the ball away." And then, of course, it was a bad punt. The rookie punter. Everybody's been talking about how great he is all year. Punts the ball to midfield. You know, the, where, the, where the Raiders get the ball, they're on forty. So right away, it's like, "Okay, here we go," and it's set up. And then the, the second to last play before the Raiders, you know. Aguilar was wide open and he overthrew him by like three yards. At this point now, it's a Hail Mary. It's, you know, it's third down, it's 20 seconds left, whatever it is. Just get everybody lined up. But nope, the Jets ran arguably, in my in my opinion, what might be the worst defensive play I've, I've seen in, when you take into account situation. So situationally, worst play call I've ever seen. Why are you blitzing a, an all-out blitz with nobody back? That play should have been treated like a Hail Mary if you really wanted to try and win that game. You you rush three guys, let Carr throw the ball to whoever the fuck he wants, and then tackle him before he gets to the end zone. They had no timeouts. The game was over if you do that. But nope, not the Jets. They not only do they not only do they do all of that, the receiver gets behind the guy and basically stands there waiting for the ball. It's like I, you, you you mentioned it earlier. You sort of played develop and you were waiting for the ball to land in his hands. I saw it. And, you know, like you get to know football well and I'm and, and I'm, my eyes are going up and down looking at the receiver and the ball, receiver ball, trying to figure out whether it's going to be in his catch radius. And I'm like, holy shit, he's going to catch that ball. And he did. There was two plays that really made me scream out loud in pain today. Uh, the first one was the Darnold interception because I'm so fed up. I have no other words of anger. I'm just pissed off, frustrated, and fed up to my core with the Jets throwing the sideline routes that are three and four yard plays. God damn it, at least if it was a 10, 12 yard out, fine. But you're basically turning a three yard gain, but you're forcing your quarterback to make a 25 yard throw. I just don't get it. This is the same thing that happened on a Flacco interception when they made that criminal play call inside their own five, 10, whatever that was. And they did it again today. It was a three yard route, break to the sideline, and it was picked off. It's windy. I don't know if... uh, you literally need to be Brett Favre, Dan Marino. You got to gun that ball in there before the cut is even made. Darnold didn't. The result was predictable. It's a pick. That was play number one. The second play was the last play of the game. Mac, when I was watching the Jets line up for that play, as I'm sitting there before they broke the huddle, I'm thinking I'm about to see the safeties, possibly a linebacker, literally retreat all the way to the end zone and play it like a Hail Mary because tackle them at the one-inch line, I don't give a damn. Field goal does nothing. They have no timeouts. That's it. It's inexcusable. Unless this ball gets tipped and caught somehow, fine. You can live with that. It hurts, but you can live with that. When they broke huddle, I'm looking at the formation. I'm like, oh, my God. I really think Greg Williams is going to do what Greg Williams does best. He's going to go after Carr in this, and I don't understand why. We don't have Darrell Rivas. We don't have Josh Norton. We don't have these lockdown corners, and this wouldn't be excusable even if we did. But we have a struggling secondary, and he goes after the quarterback. He left the guys on the island one-on-one, and the speedy receiver broke through. It wasn't even a Hail Mary. It was just an up-and-out. And the guy got hit on stride. It wasn't like it was a jump ball. I couldn't understand that. I couldn't compre- comprehend it. And I think after this game, this was the, the straw that broke the camel's back for the players too. I don't know if you saw any of the interviews, but Marcus May, yeah. who actually had a very good game, but even he threw Greg Williams under the bus. He said, we're trying, we're doing our best, but sometimes the coaches play calls have to help us out. Well, May, I don't think May had a great game. I mean, that that second wall or touchdown, he he missed the tackle. I mean, that was awful. But you're absolutely right. Is it, you know the Jets lined up, and and now logically, I could see logically saying, all right, we've been putting pressure on Carr all day. He's been making bad throws. You know, you can point to the to the throw before that where he overthrew the guy. He's been under pressure all day and missing guys because Carr missed wide open guys half the time. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even like he 
he didn't show that he could hit a guy in stride like that. So I logically, I understand why Williams did that. Let me go. It's, it's midfield. It's not like it's, you know, we're on the 20 yard line. It's midfield. Let me go after the guy and he's under pressure all day. This will be it. This will be the game. But that's just logically when you talk about the situation and and trying to secure the win this is not a before halftime play it is not a you know third quarter it's not a fourth down play in the middle of the fourth quarter this is the game the only objective here the objective is not to stop car it is not to rattle car it is not to make car inaccurate the only objective on that play was to keep the raiders out of the end zone that is it keep them to the middle of the field the only other shot they had was to was to catch the ball and and run out of bounds and leave themselves a play or two into the end zone, but that was it. Your only objective on that play is to keep them out of the end zone. And if you have to rush two and put nine guys on the goal line and dare them to catch the ball wherever they want and get past you, then you go ahead and do that. That is your only, only objective in that play. And now I'm getting angry even though I'm happy it happened. I'm just getting angry at the stupidity. Thank God the Jets are stupid or we would have just lost the next 10 years of our lives. I agree with your sentiment, but I strongly, strongly disagree with the first part of that statement. There is no logic that you can justify that play call to me. You have to have situational situational awareness. Ooh, my bilingual side just came out. You have to have situational awareness. And with that play, which is pretty much a given, the last play of the game, Mac, I don't care if it was a 50-50 jump ball and the receiver didn't get behind our defensive back. You do not leave that type of play to chance. Even if it's a 50-50 jump ball, that's not good enough for me. Nobody should have been in a one-on-one coverage when you know it's end zone or bust from a 40-yard line. Inexcusable. And this season, we've been, I don't want to say cutting slack, but we've been giving Greg Williams credit because he's been trying to turn uh, chicken shit into chicken soup he's had some good plays guys are trying i think we both believe that the defense is still trying and if you are trying to look for any bright spots on anything regarding this season when it comes to the jets you can look at a couple of uh, defensive plays a couple of defensive calls whatever that may be in a season full of bullshit and disaster play calling this one takes the cake this was the worst play call of the jet season in my book and it's not even there's not even a close second, and that's saying a lot to me. Don't get me wrong. I am not defending him in any way by saying I understand why he, you know, the logic of what he did. I am not saying he should have. I am not saying there is any justification for it at all. That's an awful, awful time to do that. I, I am trying to understand his side of it where, okay, they had pressure on him all day. He's been inaccurate. If we put pressure on him, then we don't have to worry. But that that's stupid. That's You're basically, you, that that's like a, a defensive Hail Mary in that play, and you don't need a defensive Hail Mary in that spot. So I understand Greg Williams thinking in that spot. I just don't see the need for it. There was absolutely zero need to throw, you know, to throw a, a, a freaking a, a Hail Mary up there in that spot. You don't have to gamble in that spot. You you had all the freaking odds in your favor. You just had to do one thing and you had you could have had eight or nine guys back to do it for you. And he didn't do it. Funny enough, this was, I mean, obviously the name of our podcast is The Fake Spike, but this is what came to my mind. As soon as he caught that ball and when it was in the air, I kind of, I was like, oh my God, this doesn't look good at all. And when he caught that ball, I just sat back and I'm like, oh my God, this might be the only thing that was, this is on part with the fake spike. And then I started laughing because I was like, oh, that's our podcast. But that was the first thing that popped into my mind. This is on par with the fake spike. With the fake spike, at least it was a fake and the defense bit and it happened. And back then, people forget it was um, the 90s. So it was very, it was very different. It was very original at that time. This wasn't a fake. This wasn't, 
you had the time to huddle, to think it over, and this was the play that you came up with with the game on the line. This was the actual decision that you consciously made. So to me, just it's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. I don't consider this worse than the fake spike. Uh, in a sense of how you lose the game, maybe this this might be strictly now if you're doing anything in a vacuum without any other considerations this could be the worst loss that i've ever seen the jets have i mean this was yeah this was bad i mean this that the stupidity of it the way they lost and of course the conservative play calling but the fake spike was against a you know a a team that was in the midst of blowing a 21 an 18 point lead it was a team that was on on uh you know that was fighting for the division so i think the fake spike was worse that'll live longer i don't know if this one has a play Uh, this one has a name like the fake spike did but regardless i mean it's like saying you know who's hotter you know supermodel one or supermodel two they're both hot i was approaching it from the side of if you look at the ramifications for the season obviously it's a no-brainer the fake spike hurt the Jets a lot more. They completely they went into a complete tailspin. But if you look at just an isolated play that resulted in you losing a game on the last play of the game, at least here the Jets, I believe, had a little bit more control of their destiny. All right. I mean, there's not all that much more to talk about about this game. You got anything else? No. 0-12, still in the sweepstakes for Trevor Lawrence, and that's going to be the silver lining that I'm taking away for this week. Yeah, well, I, was, I was thrilled. Okay, there's one one Facebook post I just had to mention because uh, it was after the Giant game. <laughs> You'll love this one. Jamal Adams is regretting that he forced his way out. Seattle just lost to Colt McCoy. I'm sure Jamal Adams would rather be with a disastrous 0-12 team that can't even freaking that, – that is the most embarrassing – NFL team ever to walk the earth. I'm sure he'd rather be there. Every good team has that slip up. This was the week that Seattle had that slip up. I think I expect them to reel off three or four straight wins now because a good team rebounds. They need that kick in the ass. That's what happened to Seattle. But uh, no, somehow I don't see Jamal Adams going to sleep perfectly aligned for for a playoff appearance and wishing that he was on the Jets fighting for the number one pick. Well, you know, he gets to take it out on the Jets next week, so that should be interesting. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord. (laughs) Is that next week? The Jets go to Seattle next week. Yep, it's going to be an interesting one. Fantastic. That's going to be a good one. 0-13. All right, my friend, you have a good night. We'll uh, we'll do the midweek one and uh, catch up. I'm sure there'll be plenty of stuff going on we can talk about. Looking forward to it. 0-12, here comes Trevor Lawrence. Catch you next time. (laughs) 